uh, gave me an introduction. Then we also talked a little bit about the need for personal evangelism. That was our topic for last week. And this week we'll be looking at what is personal evangelism and who should participate in it. Uh, I think probably every time I have a class, I give a in my syllabus a, a list of recommended books. And it never fails that as I go throughout the semester, I always seem to find more things to recommend to you. And since we're talking about personal evangelism, uh, there's a whole host of material out there that you can look at. Uh, in the syllabus, I've only listed three books, uh, recommended books, and that's really just for our topic of uh, personal evangelism. There's all kinds of materials you can use to assist you. Uh, I have here, this is the latest edition of the Bible Correspondence Course put out by House to House, Heart to Heart, uh, Alan Webster, and this one actually says God's plan of salvation in the front of it. And uh, forget how many lessons are in there, uh, but I actually have eight lessons that I use when I do personal uh, Bible studies. I got it for uh, the idea and the topics uh, from a brother by the name of Stacy Ferguson there in Pacific Islands Bible College. I like the way he did things, and so I adopted how he did it. And we'll talk more about that uh, later in the class or later throughout the semester. I think uh, uh, during teaching methods, I'll talk a lot about that, things, ways you can, or material you can use for teaching. Okay, tonight we're looking at what is personal evangelism and who should participate in personal evangelism. And I know, of course, these two questions really can be pretty self-explanatory and, you know, explain it in a few sentences, but uh, we're going to be looking at it a little more in depth this evening. Uh, the first thing we'll do is look at what is personal evangelism. Uh, well, evangelism refers to the teaching of the gospel to those who are lost. It refers to those who are outside the body of Christ. We want to evangelize. That's why uh, we hear someone talk about how they're an evangelist. Well, they evangelize. That's why they're called an evangelist. Uh, personal, of course, means it refers to I. So we are personally involved. So it's our personal effort to reach out to the lost. That's what personal evangelism is. And in his book here, Roger Campbell, <clears throat> excuse me, says uh, when we think of personal evangelism, we think teaching that takes place uh, takes place in a private setting rather than publicly. And often, though not always, is a one-on-one arrangement. In addition, the word personal uh, refers to an effort to teach a to teach in such a way that the teacher in teaching come across as being personal or appropriate for the individual, showing personal interest, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, sh- showing personal interest in him or her and his or her personal spiritual needs. And so a personal one-on-one study or sometimes, you know, we have a few people there involved in it. Uh, That's what happens when you don't turn off your phone. Uh, uh, someone texted when you're teaching a class. Um, but uh, Raju, and if I say your name incorrectly, forgive me. I'm not the best at names. It says here, uh, preaching God's word to a perishing soul. Uh, preaching or teaching God's word. No, that's what evangelism is. You're reaching out uh, to those who are not a part of, uh, the body of Christ, and that would include uh, those who have not 
uh, well, well, really includes those uh, even in the denominational world uh, because they have those of the denominational world, those who have obeyed uh, their denomination's uh, plan uh, plan for, for salvation or their plan uh, of, of redemption. And instead, uh, we are teaching people the Bible and not teaching... Uh, are not teaching a creed book and not teaching uh, something some man has said. We are trying to evangelize them with the Bible. Uh, whenever we talk with someone about Bible things and they ask questions, that's what happens many times in the Bible studies. Is that someone? Uh, well, when I open, when I start a Bible. Excuse me, a Bible study. I'll start by asking if they have uh, any. Any Bible questions, any Bible-related uh, questions, and when they have those questions, we always and try to make sure that I don't say anything like "Well, I think" or "I believe," but we want to say "Well, the Bible says" or "Let's look at what the Bible says," and that's how we want to respond uh, to those questions and to those issues. <clears throat> we think about. Uh, let me back up here and try. I don't want to miss anybody's comments. Uh, Sean says here, I have a hard time with it. I don't I don't uh, look the part covered in tattoos. No one wants to listen. Uh, no one wants to listen. Like, who are you to tell me what God wants? Uh, you know, sometimes that is the case. We know that's that's not our fault That's or our problem. That's a problem of someone else. Uh, I think sometimes what people fail to realize is that uh, people have a life before they become a Christian. And sometimes the things they have uh, done... Uh, can still be seen today, uh, you know, tattoo or, or you know, whatever different things uh, can still be seen today. And so we have to remember there are those in the world who don't see past that, and that's not our problem, that's that's their problem. We have to, uh, sometimes we may have to mention that when we talk with them and let them know that, you know, the, you know <laughs> a child of God, uh, it hasn't always been a child of God. Uh, Sean says here, uh, I tell them scars from my life out of Christ, and that's that's a good way to, to look at it. And so we, we can't allow that to, even though others may look at us differently, we can't allow whatever uh, things in similar nature to affect us, to keep us from from reaching out to the lost. Uh, Brother Campbell talks about here about personal evangelism. He talks about the idea of a friendship approach. He says uh, personal evangelism or teaching the lost uh, person, the gospel is another matter altogether. He said, "Friendships are fine, but friendship is not evangelism." You know, we hear people say sometimes, "You want to be friends with them first, or you become friends with them first. Uh, all that you can be friendly with them. I think to say you you become a friend to someone before you try to teach them the gospel. Uh, I think there's some dangers and some things you have to consider with that. Uh, but to you must we think about a friendship approach. That I think you might be. More apt, more apt to say a acquaintance approach. You get to know them and get to talking with them, and use that to reach out and use that uh, opening to reach out to them. <clears throat> he goes on to say here that he says personal evangelism is more than just telling people where the congregation assembles and invite them to come to services. He says for some Christians that feel uncomfortable approaching people about a Bible study to work up the courage to invite a friend, a co-worker, or a classmate to public Bible study can pain 
or gospel meetings, inviting them to these types of things can be a big deal because it's difficult for them to have a Bible study. And even this, inviting someone to an event or to the services is a big deal. Uh, it is a good step to invite people to services and various events of the church. Uh, but personal evangelism goes, be, goes beyond inviting people to a public activity. Personal evangelism is the actual teaching of the word. And we think about the idea of what personal evangelism is. It is our personal, our personal effort to reach out uh, to the lost. Uh, I try to conduct or to do door knocking and to invite people to services and to encourage them to take part in our Bible correspondence courses. Uh, that's how we. That's one of the ways we created Bible studies when we were in, on a mission trip here recently was passing out materials. So when I pass out materials, uh, I try to use that as an opening to to have a set up a Bible study. Though here in the states and overseas, they're two different places. Uh, overseas people receive that stuff and actually stand there and talk to you for a moment while here in the states sometimes uh, they just almost tell you just to leave them alone and so uh, it can be very difficult but we still want to do our best to reach out to those in our community <clears throat> so we've seen what personal evangelism is it's our personal ourselves personal effort to reach out to the lost what is the purpose of personal evangelism well, it's not just uh, to be busy doing something or to fulfill an assignment. Uh, in addition, contrary to what some may think, the ultimate goal of personal evangelism is not simply to impart information. I mean, we're not simply just to tell them something. We're actually trying to teach them. Well, the ultimate goal of personal, uh, he, well, he says, in the course of teaching others the Bible, we will impart some information uh, however, our ultimate desire in privately teaching the gospel to lost people is to help them learn the truth. <coughs> help them learn the truth. Excuse me, my <coughs> little sore throat or something this evening. So they can be saved ultimately. Look at John chapter 8. Uh, John 8 and verse 32. And here the Bible says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's what we're trying to teach people is the truth. Uh, Raju says here, To evangelize, proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Uh, I have found, and I'll probably repeat this more later as we go throughout this, but I have found that when we were talking to someone about uh, the Bible, and you try to set up a study, and they're not sure, or they're trying to maybe get out of it, just ask them, well, do you have any Bible questions we might be able to help you with? And many times, uh, that will help open up the door. Well, do you have any questions about the Bible? Is there something you're not sure about? Uh, but even sometimes, for some, they'll say, well, you know, some won't do that. They won't ask a question because they don't want to feel like they're ignorant. Uh, but at the same time, you might take the fishers of men approach, uh, where they... We'll have two two topics and ask them which one is is uh, which one would like to, would they like to learn more about uh, or which one are they more interested in. Uh, for example, one brother did that. And he asked which one they're more interested in: uh, the Ten Commandments or uh, whether or not the, the Ten Commandments or whether or not the Ten Commandments were in effect still today. And they want to know, well, we want to know if those Ten Commandments are still in effect today. They don't want to just study about it. They want to actually learn if they're actually still in effect today or ask them, well, which more we're interested in. Uh, reading about maybe John the Baptizer or reading about, uh, you know, baptism 
or, or reading about what the Bible says about infant baptism, things like that, and pick something that uh, you think might be interesting. Pick one that, uh, you, well, of course, you need to know a lot about, but pick something which they can might pique their interest. Which one would you would you be more interested in? Now, <clears throat> I lost my place here. Let's look also at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 says, But God be thanked that you were the servants of the, that you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that former doctrine which was delivered you. And so we think about verse 17 and 16, Romans 16 and 17, Romans 6, 17 and 18. I uh, read the wrong. I didn't, read, I didn't finish reading. I was supposed to read there. Verse eighteen says, "Being then made free from sin, you became a slave, became the servants of righteousness." And so that's our goal when we go out to teach the lost, to evangelize, is to turn people away from from sin, from being a servant of sin, to being a servant of righteousness. And that might be a question. Ask them. You know, ask someone. Are you more interested in learning about the Ten Commandments or learning about what what sin is? Uh, you know what what is lawlessness you know what is law breaking in the bible uh things like that that can mean times those might be some things that might spur someone on to to uh a bible study when we are personally teaching the gospel to others what are we looking for so when we're teaching the gospel to others what are we looking for we're looking for good soil we're looking for folks who have an honest and good heart if you look at luke chapter 8 luke chapter 8 and verse 15 says but that but but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart having heard the word keep it and bring forth fruit with patience and so we see that we're looking for those who are, who are willing to study the bible you know, it's it can be discouraging, as we're going to talk about a little more later, to be trying to reach out to, to the community and have so many who are not interested. But we have to keep on looking. Because sooner or later, we're going to find someone who is interested, find someone who has a legitimate uh, concern. When we were in Fiji here in the June 1st of July, we were out passing out Bible tracts. And one of the ladies there, a young a young lady uh, came out and was talking to us, and she asked if we could come and talk to her sister because her sister had been getting involved in some things she shouldn't be involved in. And so by going out and passing out tracts and going door to door, uh, you never know what you're going to find. And she wanted someone to come back and to teach and to talk to her sister. Uh, Sean says here, my form of evangelism is hosting a stakeout for Christ. And he spells stakeout steak, S-T-E-A-K. I have friends and family come over to uh, to grill a steak with a devotional laughter. And, you know, that's a good way to reach out sometimes on a personal level, especially with family and friends, to, uh, is, is to do something like that and to have, uh, you know, a short little talk planned in there maybe not even a we might call a quote-unquote devotional but even just have a time where you talk with someone privately about the bible and, a, and ask them about if they have questions about bible or ask them bible questions what do you think about this or what do you think about this and that can really spur things on sometimes and also we can 
uh, maybe uh, get you into some trouble as well. But especially with family members sometimes, they can be the most difficult sometimes to talk to. Uh, but we can use those times to, to bring up Bible questions and Bible ideas. Uh, we just don't want to <laughs> get into the habit of having a, a stakeout or something like that uh, every time someone comes over for a Bible study. We, we want them to come, eventually want them to come for the Bible, not for whatever event it is. Uh, but we, there are various ways in which you can get people to come to something and then also attach a Bible an outreach to that in some way. And Sean says he does it once a month. He has a round table style where they ask questions. And he says, bring, bring your own steak. Okay, well, there you go. So we want, we want to look for that good soil. And uh, we want to make sure that we do all we can to to reach out to those who are interested and some it's interesting sometimes that those who may not be interested uh, really are if you get on the right topic uh, for example we were studying with some mem some members of the Methodist Church when we were in Fiji and I, was, I don't remember what I was even talking about and I didn't think they were too interested in what I was talking about so in the end I, I, I asked them I said I asked them about baptism I said uh, does your congregation perform infant baptism and they said and they said yes and uh i said well how they do a how they do a baptism they said well you know a sprinkling i said do you know where that is found in the bible and they said well they didn't, didn't know i said well it's not in there i see i uh, mentioned i talked about how you know the person who is baptized or those who have, who have a belief in christ and can repent of their sins and confess christ and can have an obedient faith in him, and a child cannot do that. And that really uh, perked their interest. And so uh, sometimes you just got to hit on the right thing to get their interest peaked and take that and to talk with them about it, study it, and take that also to move into other areas as well, especially related to salvation. <clears throat> okay, I don't want to get to that part. I'm too far. Okay. Uh, in Luke, we find a sower. That would be the person who's going out doing the teaching. We have the right seed, which is, of course, the Word of God, 1 Peter 1, 23. And we have the good soil, that is, those who are willing to hear and willing to obey. You might say willing to act upon what they have heard. It takes more than the right message and faithful teacher. The hearers must have a receptive heart. That is what we are looking for, people that really want to do God's will. You know, sometimes after you have several studies, and you get to the point sometimes of those who, who they, they understand what the Bible is saying, but they're just not ready to do it. They're not willing to to take that next step. And so uh, sometimes you have to ask, well, well, what is holding you back? Or are you maybe asked, like Brother Campbell here is talking about, ask, are you really ready to do God's will, to obey his commands? Uh, again, we were having, I think about a study we were having in Fiji and a young man and we were talking about various things I'm talking about all different examples of baptism and he, he he agreed and saw you know that baptism was necessary and uh, so we talked about some more things and I finally just said well is there something that's preventing you to be from being baptized I said you know you understand what is required of you and they've already had some other studies I, I was just stepping in and helping on that occasion because the brother who was doing it had lost his voice and so I was stepping in and helping him uh, with the study 
And what I was asking him was, was there something that was preventing him from obeying the gospel? And so sometimes we have to ask that question, is there something that's holding you back? And much like uh, we find there in the book of Acts, we find the question, now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. Sometimes you have to ask people the same thing. What, what are you waiting for? You know, what, what is keeping you from obeying the gospel? So we, we don't want to push them or to try to persuade them or act like some type of salesman trying to push them into doing something that they don't want to do or aren't ready to do. But at the same time, if they understand and know what the Bible teaches, it doesn't hurt to just simply ask the question, is there something that's preventing you from obeying? Or do you have any questions? Or is there something that you're not sure about that's preventing you from obeying what the Bible says is required of a faith of someone to be called a servant of God or become a servant of God? Well, next we'll look at, we think about personal evangelism, we'll look at doubt and personal evangelism. That is, we'll look at uh, those who say that uh, there's no way they can teach a person the Bible by themselves. Uh, you know, until I started doing some mission work, I didn't really, I had different ways of trying to do Bible studies, and sometimes I'd kind of uh, get some ideas from my correspondence course, so I would just ask some questions and kind of see where they were at and then go from there. Uh, but when I started doing mission work and started seeing uh, how others conducted some Bible studies, we're going to talk about later, that's one way you can do it, is see someone who has done a Bible study before, watch them do it, watch them conduct one, and then maybe even follow their example. You know, there's nothing wrong with it, as long as you're teaching the Bible, you know, one person's way of doing something, you know, it's not a copyrighted form saying you cannot do it. And so we want to make sure that we take the ability, take the time to learn how to become someone who who can comfortably sit down and have a Bible study with someone. And he goes on to say here, one who says such a thing, one who says he cannot teach a person the Bible by himself, is at least, he says, is at least being the truth, but what then? Once I confess that there is something which I am not able to do, what options do I have? He says, I can either just forget about doing it or else I can try to do what it takes to put myself in a position where I'm able to do it. So he he says basically that either we can we can just not do it or we can decide okay what can I do to be more come more comfortable? What can I do to become a servant of God or to become a a effective uh person who who does these Bible studies to to be able to have these studies and not be uh, you know just scared out of my mind. Or, or to be able to learn what I can say and how to say it and what things to discuss and things like that. And that's the purpose of this course is to help you in that. And uh, by having this course, I don't, of course, uh, want you to think that I know everything there is about personal Bible study. And there are other things you can take away or you can learn by, beyond what we're going to talk about during our class or during our uh, semester. But... Uh, this is a step you can take to, to become a more effective uh, worker for God, is learning how and looking at some different ways to conduct Bible studies, to reach out to the lost, how to set up a Bible study. Uh, I think that's probably the more difficult thing, is not having a Bible study, but actually just getting it set up. Uh, I think, you know, in Fiji and Madro, where I've been before, once we got one set up, I felt like that was the hardest part. Because when they show up, then you know what you know. You know what you're going to say, or you should have an idea what you're going to say. You can ask some questions, 
and gauge their answers and then realize, okay, this is where I need to start at and go from there. And, but I think setting up the Bible study is by far the hardest thing. Getting someone to sit, say, okay, I'll study the Bible with you, especially in the States, that's the hardest part of all. Uh, I think in some other countries, uh, people are a lot more receptive to the gospel than what they are here. <clears throat> we know that our Lord wants us to use our abilities or talents in his service. Uh, we're going to get that in just a second. I'm going to get him myself. Uh, we learn from the parable of the talents that the Lord can and will increase the talents of his faithful servants, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. We have the parable of the talents, and the person who used their talents were given more. Uh, the person who did not has the idea there they were taken away because, well, they were punished. Uh, think about, he has here, think about this question. How can God increase our talent or ability if we personally do not make an effort to improve? That is, how can God give us the ability to become a better uh, personal worker, as we sometimes call it, uh, a better evangelist? Uh, you know, evangelist doesn't have to be the preacher. It can be anyone. Anyone who wasn't evangelized, they're an evangelist. And so... How can we become a, a, a more effective evangelist or a person who evangelizes by, well, first of all, by putting forth the effort? How can God give an increase if we are not doing anything? How can God make us more effective if we just sit back and do nothing? You know, God will not zap you with the ability to become a great personal worker, a great uh, evangelizer, evangelist, uh, because we have to put forth our own effort. There are three phrase, three, three phases, as I'm trying to say, three phases in tra uh, training and personal evangelism uh, that have been proven to be effective. And this is exactly what I did as well, and I continue to do it. When someone else is conducting a Bible study and I'm there, if I'm just helping them, I, I watch and see how they do it, and I listen to them. Observe as someone who knows what he is doing does the teaching. Go with someone on a personal Bible study and watch what they do. Listen to what they do. Ask them questions afterwards. How do you know where to start? What, what determines where you start? And what determines what you talk about? Uh, you know, what do you say? You know, do you ask them questions and have them answer? Do you have them read scripture? And I think uh, all those things are something you want to do. You want to have them ask questions. I don't have to be quiet, but I'm going to start going over in some other lessons we're going to be looking at. Uh, but that's something you want, to do. you want to observe someone who knows what he is doing as they're doing a personal Bible study. Watch what they're doing and listen. And take notes yourself about how they go through and what they cover. Uh, practice teaching with the assistance or supervision of an able teacher. So when you have a Bible study, have someone there with you to help you until you get more and more comfortable to the point where then you can do the teaching on your own. Before you do that, though, watch others do it. Watch several Bible studies. Ask questions of those who are doing those Bible studies afterwards. And then also have someone with you when you do your, at least your first several personal Bible studies. Have someone there with you to assist you. And, and not so much, I don't think, supervise, but someone who can assist you and help you along if you uh, maybe don't know what to say or what to talk about or something, you know, you have a kind of a hiccup. Have someone there who can help you until you become more comfortable and, and to the point until you get to the point where you can conduct a Bible study on your own and you're not afraid to do so. Personal evangelism, who should participate in it? 
Well, every congregation should participate in it, and every member should participate in it. You know, I get really frustrated and really disappointed when I see people who, by their actions, show that they believe that personal evangelism is for someone else. That it's for a deacon, it's for an elder, it's for the preacher, it's for... Uh, you know that outreach committee, the outreach group the church may have that they're only they're they're doing it so they don't have to. That's not that's not the proper attitude of a Christian. Every congregation, every member, so long as they have the physical health to do it, should be outreaching, trying to teach the lost. Uh, you know, even when we don't have the health to go out, we can still do uh, outreach through Bible correspondence courses. We have those who grade those things and those who will send them out, those who organize all that. And what are they doing? They're helping in personal evangelism. And so there are many people today who will do a personal, who will do a study through the mail, but they don't want to do it face-to-face. And, uh, you know, they, they don't like the idea of sitting there talking to someone face-to-face. But personal evangelism includes every congregation and every member. You think about this. In the New Testament, it was commanded that every congregation, that is every local congregation, was to reach out to the lost. The letters that Paul wrote, uh, he told them to pass on those letters to other congregations as well, to have them read before every congregation. And those letters included, uh, many times, the idea that we are to be reaching out to the lost. You know, Christians, we should... You think about this, we don't want to be going to heaven and then not try to bring one with us. So every congregation should be uh, should be evangelistic, to have a mind of evangelism. Every member should be looking for ways to reach out to the lost and to do so in a biblical way. Uh, if you will, look at 2 Timothy 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. This is a verse that many... Uh, preaching schools will use. Second Timothy 2 verse 2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, uh, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And so somehow if someone is, if you, someone has taught you the gospel, then, then after that you should study to the point where you can go and teach someone else the gospel. And then they can go and teach someone else the gospel. And on and on it goes. And, uh, Sean says here, no one comes to my house or around me without me telling them how great my life has been since I came to Christ. You know, it's interesting, when I moved to the area, one of our neighbors, though they have moved away since uh, for work or something, but one of the first things they did was tell me that, well, we're all Christians over here. Uh, And, of course, you know, Christian is a term that many people throw around. But... You know, you think about this, we are to reach out to the lost. We're try we're should try to help people to get to heaven. Uh he says here in verse two, second Timothy two verse two, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So we want to teach people, and then also those people who we have taught should want to study and grow so they also can become able to teach others. And you know, if everybody did that, if we were, if I taught someone the gospel, and they went and taught someone the gospel, and they went and taught someone the gospel, 
the world will be evangelized pretty quickly. Or a lot more quickly, I should say. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5 and verse 12 says, For when the time for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have ye have need that one teach you again, which again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and overcome such and overcome such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. And so he's talking about he says in verse twelve, For when the time ye ought to be teachers. And so we ought to be teachers. All both of these verses tell us that we ought to be those who are teaching. You're reaching out to the lost. Uh, you know, it's sad that sometimes we measure success the wrong way, especially in personal evangelism. That's why people, I think, sometimes get discouraged. It's because they look at success in the wrong way. Success isn't necessarily the idea that everyone we talk to, we convert, because that's not going to happen. Everyone you talk to won't even talk back to you. Everyone you talk to won't have a Bible study with you. Everyone you talk to won't even take the material that you're trying to give them. But being successful is that when we go out and we try to reach out to the lost and distribute those tracts, those publications, and try to set up those Bible studies and try to sign up people for Bible correspondence courses, that when we do that and that we, when we, in doing those things we teach the Bible, then we are being successful. If we are doing what we're supposed to be doing, then we are being successful. We cannot make anyone obey the gospel no matter how badly you'd like, like to do so. Uh, we cannot foresee one to obey. So we can't measure our success on those who have obeyed. We measure our success on the fact that we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're being successful. Because, and I know some people who like to brag about other preachers who have baptized so many different people. And my question I think about is, well, how many of them are faithful? Because I think sometimes people are, are too quick to get people in the water and they haven't taught them the Word of God well enough. So that after they become baptized... They don't become. They don't remain faithful. I know. I know personally of some who've been baptized. They're nowhere to be seen, because part of the part of that is they weren't taught. They weren't taught enough about what it means to be a Christian. They weren't taught about counting the cost of being a Christian. <clears throat> Sean says here, "It's a shame." Is a shame. Uh, don't mean to make a lot of it, but it was. It was people I, I would never. Uh, understand and and hopefully they will come back around and ask me questions okay he's talking about uh those who who came up and he was talking to about the gospel he says brother silcox said you've planted the seed it may take a while for it to grow they will they will pay attention to they will pay attention to see if it see if it fall see if i to see if i fall uh you know that's an excellent point when we when we're doing personal evangelism Especially in our area, if it's if for some people that they're going to see you as well throughout town, uh, they're going to watch and see what you're doing too. If you're trying to teach them a, the Bible or have a Bible study with them, they're going to watch you a lot more closely. Even if they don't have a Bible study with them, they're still going to keep their eye on you. <clears throat> Personal evangelism. Think about becoming fishers of men. Uh, Herbert says here, Noah saved eight, Daniel saved three, Job saved zero, Ezekiel four, 14, 14, and 20. Uh, well, let me go there and look at that, Ezekiel 14, uh, 14 and 20. Verse 14 says, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by, their righteous, by the righteousness, saith the Lord. 
Uh, verse 20, Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. And so uh, that's an excellent point. You know, we cannot always reach out, or we cannot always uh, have those who are baptized. I was watching a, a DVD on leadership, and one of the statements that was made was that uh, you'd have an elder who's never ha- converted someone to Christ. Well, I think just because someone hasn't obeyed the gospel and they taught it to them doesn't mean that person is not qualified to become an elder or a deacon. Uh, because then we're, we're putting, we're saying, well, they, they didn't do a good enough job, obviously, because someone didn't obey the gospel. You know, maybe they just haven't found that, that, that good seed, that good soil. So we, I think that's the wrong thing to say. I'll, I'll disagree with that completely. Uh, because we just because someone hasn't been converted doesn't mean that person hasn't been out teaching teaching the gospel, reaching out to his community. Uh, but we're now we're saying he can't be an elder or deacon because someone because ha- no one's been baptized from him his personal evangelism. Uh, that disqualifies first of all a lot of people. Uh, so I think we have to remember that success is teaching the truth, not necessarily the idea that. Uh, it shouldn't be based on those who are baptized or the number of people who are baptized. Uh, there was a gentleman who came here who I studied with, and I could have baptized him that first day I saw him, but I didn't because he didn't he didn't understand enough things. And so I think sometimes people want to get people in the water so they can put another tick mark on their list. Well, I baptize another one, and that's the wrong attitude, and that's the wrong way to look at it. Uh, Chuck says here, we are told, we are just told to plant. Uh, we, that is our duty to plant the seed, and hopefully others will they will obey, but we cannot make them. Uh, I think it's Paul who says, uh, Paulus, I, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. And so we have to remember that it's God who gives the increase. Now I'm getting behind here. Jesus once told him his disciples in Mark 1.17, Come ye after me, and I will make you be- to become fishers of men. Uh, fishers of men. The idea that we are reaching out to our communities. We are trying to catch those who, are, who have an open heart, an open mind, a soft heart, a tender heart, and who are willing to talk about the Bible and to study with you. We're looking for those good people who are willing to obey and the only way you can do that is we become fishers of men, those who are constantly searching out for those who may obey. And when we find those who do not, we keep looking. We keep looking and we keep fishing. You have two commands there in Mark 1, verse 17. Come after me, and then secondly, I will make you to become fishers of men. Well, we have one command, come after me, and second one, we have what he will do. I will make you become fishers of men. We want, if we follow Christ's example and follow how they evangelized in the New Testament, we will become fishers of men. What did they do? Well, they approached people, they asked them questions, they answered their questions, they taught them the Bible, and those who have a good heart, good soil, they obeyed and became followers of Christ. John 6, verse 44 and 45 says, No man can come to me except the Father has sent except the Father except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I'll raise him up in the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they should all be taught of God, every man therefore that have heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. 
So every person who has heard and obeyed and been taught of God, they will come to Christ if they are of good heart, of a good soil. And we want to do this quickly here. Personal evangelism. Seven characteristics of good fishermen. First, we have to desire to fish for men. We have to desire to go out to look for those who may be willing to obey the gospel. We have to go where the fish are. That is, we go where they are and search for them and search them out, trying to find those who will obey. And when we find those who will not listen and those who will not uh, hear, will not even take part in a Bible study or have nothing to do with us, we keep on looking. We have to enjoy fishing. You know, if you don't enjoy going out doing and doing evangelistic type of works, uh, you're not going to do very much of it. We cannot be easily discouraged because we know the vast majority of people today are not going to listen to what you have to say, but there are some who will, and those are the ones who we are fishing for. We have to know when to fish, when is the good time to go, where we're to go. We have to be friendly. We have to speak in love. And lastly, fish even in inconvenient times. You have to be willing to talk to those you're interested in and, and look for lost souls even when it's not so convenient for us. So I hope this has helped you. hope this has encouraged you. And hope you'll be back here with me next week. Lord willing, we'll start right on time and not 10 minutes late. But I do thank you for being here with me this evening. Uh, next week, we'll be looking at requirements for successful evangelism. Some requirements. And so, again, biblical requirements for successful evangelism. Some, again, today would say if you're going to be successful, you have to get those people in the water. Well, that's not the case because uh, too many people today get people in the water who are not going to remain faithful because they have not been taught as they should. That's not to say we teach them the whole Bible before we baptize them. But they have to know what it means to be a Christian. They have to know the cost that comes with being a faithful servant of God.